0: Hello, and welcome to Leviathan News. Today is December 5th, 5th of December. And today, uh, we're going to continue a conversation about intents, but in a different direction. Uh, last time we had on uh, X, which uh, had provided a system to do uh, off-chain leverage trading uh, through a series of market makers. And this is a new type of... I don't want to call it infrastructure. We can; It's more like a, a middleware system uh, that connects users with more sophisticated uh, strategies, uh, market makers, other participants within the crypto space who are interested in running uh, specific types of strategies and want to provide them to uh, on-chain users. And it's been a pretty big growth sector this year. Uh, it's new. And it's really only come about uh, over the past, say, I don't know, 8 to 12 months that we've seen these projects come out. And so today we have on Sega, is that how I say it? Or Kiga? Yeah, Sega.
1: Sega. Sega. You got it. You got the first yeah.
0: time. So today we have on Sega, uh, we have Adam, who uh, has come to uh, help us understand this a bit better. So welcome, Adam. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so before we dive into this uh, structured product solution that you guys are offering, um, maybe we can just get a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Briefly, I came into the space, entered into kind of the Chainlink Marines, uh, 2017 invested. Um, And then a couple of mates of mine had found kind of that ecosystem. Uh, My friends built a Chainlink node from there that bootstrapped some capital to uh, create a, a, a basically a perpetual swaps and derivatives market, which was TracerDAO. Um, so I was there as one of the founding members for a couple of years. Uh, and I recently went over to Sega in like August, 2022. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm now leading up BD for Sega.
0: So what was the reason that you came over? Like, what was this, the selling point that they got you to, to come in to work for Sega?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd seen a couple of these products before in the past, um, a couple of other protocols running with kind of similar strategies, but, um, you know, using this, this vault mechanism was something really interesting um, that caught my eye, even when I was back at Tracer. And I guess we, we saw the, like, I guess the, the peak of some of these products, um, getting a lot of uh, TBL and a lot of growth uh, during 2022. Uh, but we were seeing that like in, in different market conditions, these types of products weren't able to cater effectively. And the main reason of that was because they were using, um, what I call, you know, vanilla, vanilla option strategies, um, which weren't able to tailor better for the, for like all market conditions. So what I really liked about Sega is that it was the first to offer exotic options, um, to, to better cater for crypto market conditions. And uh, I thought that was a, a more mature product and it was able to give yields across, you know, the likes of the FTX occurrence of last year. So, um yeah that's kind of the main reason why it kind of drew me um i've been loving it since
0: yeah it's it's one of those things where there's a DeFi's is kind of segregated from the rest of the off-chain crypto economy where you have all these exchanges with deep liquidity tight spreads uh, where you know market makers and other funds can run these really complex strategies right and you know, before if you were going to, uh, you know, take part in these, uh, then it would be it's it, it'd be kind of difficult, right? You'd ha- you'd have to run it fully off chain. But now we're starting to see solutions uh, that allow you to to do this, right? And uh, Sega essentially bridges that gap between the uh, on chain participants and these off chain uh, like strategy providers, uh, so that they can access these more complex types of yields yeah yeah exactly. yeah. So like what, what goes into like setting that up? Like what's the whole like process of, of creating these agreements, I guess, because if you have like on-chain participants, you know, how can they be ensured that the, the, the funds that they're locking up in a vault uh, are' like not being misused and being allocated into uh, the actual strategies that are being uh, advertised?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, there's a couple of ways I'll answer that. So some of our products, are purely smart contract based, and some of our products have like a lending component that is, is given out to market makers as well. So there's like an options component as well as a, a lending component, but, um, for the pure smart contracts, it's, it's purely just options, premiums that are paid into the smart contracts by market makers, uh, bidding on each of these vault strategies that are uh, transparent to the user. Uh, in addition, the uh, the bond plus option products, uh, as I mentioned, have that lending component, and now the the capital that's put into the smart contract is then lent out to these market makers um, for the the duration of the tenure, uh, and then the principal as well as the interest as well as the options premium are paid back to the user. Now, we use something in traditional finance that I don't think a lot of DeFi protocols use, something called an ISDA, which is a master agreement. It's using traditional finance. It usually takes sometimes years to, to kind of uh, uh, broker, but uh, we've been working with all the market makers that we've been uh, onboarding, ensuring they are all under ISDA agreements and ensuring that, um, you know, they're going to be paying um, what what they're going to be bidding on. So for instance, uh, the strength of an ISDA can be defined as the fact that we had Alameda as one of our market makers last year. And now uh, during the FTX crash, uh, we actually had uh, 15 million was lent out to Alameda out of a 45 million TBL. So but a bit of danger zone for us. Um, but we basically pushed on them, uh, we were able to kind of, uh, continue to say, Hey, look, we've, we've got this is, um, is this going to be prioritized? And we were paid back in full. So, uh, I guess it, it just goes to show that the strength of having, you know, I guess, more traditional security mechanisms in place, and that's how we've being able to, uh, I guess, ensure the security for our users as well as obviously um, the smart contract audits uh, that we have by the, the
0: normal vendors. Uh, so you guys were on Solana then?
1: Yes, we were on Solana. Um, so we were built on Solana first in June last year. Uh, we hit 45 mil TVL in like three months and then FTX hit. Um, second order effects, most of the, I guess, liquidity providers and funds and, and users were, were taken at L's. So we had to we had to ensure that we could uh, move to somewhere that we could still attract uh, TVL. And that's when we bridged to Ethereum in like February, March this this year. Yeah. Got SPF'd. <laughs> SPF'd indeed.
0: I mean, so what happened to that 15 million? Are you guys in the bankruptcy proceedings then?
1: Um, good question. Uh, I am not in direct combos there, but um, that, that 15 mil was paid to us that we could actually you know, give back to our users. So uh, I don't know the full full story there, but uh, I'm sure there's some of the other founders that are talking to to the people that are, that are out right for that.
0: Yeah, it's tough. Wait, so the recovery process is still ongoing, then? Yeah,
1: I, I'd assume so. I, I, for yeah. all I know, uh, it was it was it was kind of we're paid back and we're all good for now. Um,
0: okay, so that's, that's that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's really the worrying question, right? Is that by building all these kind of connections between off-chain entities and on-chain participants, uh, they essentially start to take on the risk of those market makers. And so I've seen a couple of different solutions. Like when we talked to Intenex, uh, they've essentially created this like CFD-like structure where uh, all the on-chain participants funds stay on-chain and they enter into like a CFD-style contract where uh they post up their 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 assets and then the off chain market makers post up like a bond as well too, and uh the bond serves as a way that if if the market makers don't uh, return the the funds that they need to by contractual agreement uh then their bond is essentially taken and returned to the uh, return to the person and then their collateral is unlocked as well too yeah,
1: and I guess. I mean we we initially actually had like a collateralized loan as you're kind of explaining. Um but we with with the with the strength of the ISDA agreements, like I mean it's just it's just how you face credit risk at the end of the day. Um whether you have a bond collat you know, a collateral agreement, whether you use Isda Isda agreements. And I guess it's just depending on the risk profile that you want to provide to your users. So um at this point Sega has a no collateral agreement with with our market makers. So the capital was lent out with no posted uh, bond from the market maker side. Yeah. But so we also use, uh, and another, another thing we use is Credora. So we do like balance sheet checks on all of our market makers to ensure that we're only dealing with like balance sheets that are above a certain grading.
0: Yeah. So is there any is there any way to mix like the, the products you have in DeFi with the off-chain market-making that's happening or off-chain like strategy execution? How do you mean? Sorry. Well, I'm saying that, uh, you know, you can, if you think about these strategies, right, they have defined like risk PL uh, is put out, right? And so, uh, you know, can you build some of it on chain and then have some of the execution, like it, essentially, can you split it up or, is the reliance here just all on this, like, off-chain strategy providing here?
1: I mean, I think the goal would be to have, like, a, a decentralized, like, engine that could kind of match these orders um, and be priced and settled on-chain. Because at the moment, um, you know, the, the settlement's on-chain, but the pricing, um, as you said, like, the the bidding and the auction process is off-chain. Uh, the, the, the goal is for us to have that integrated completely on-chain. Um, it just takes a lot of infra to actually get that um to get that out but i mean where where are we are working towards something like that um, i yeah. think it would be better for the ecosystem
0: and so you guys have like moved over now you're on eth now uh as well as arbitrum on eth now exactly yeah yeah and so like w- what is the uh, is you just didn't want to be on sol anymore it Is sbf hangover uh,
1: i think it's yeah as, as i kind of alluded to it's like um at the start of the year, people people thought Solana was dead. Like a lot of people, were, like didn't think that it, Solana would make it through. Um, and it made it really hard for us to kind of sell our product because um, a lot of the the TVL or a lot of people's funds were over on mainnet. No one wanted to bridge um, bridges like Swim. Swim protocol were breaking down. I'm not sure if you remember them, but yeah, they were they were one of the bridges over to Solana. Um, so it was just it was just really hard to to kind of get people to use the product. So that's kind of why we. We moved over to Ethereum, um, but we still have the Solana-based contracts up, up and running. So, like those, those products are still getting volume. In fact, at the moment, um, we actually we launched a new product recently, and we're getting a lot of traction on Solana because everyone's kind of uh, speculating on any Solana project having an airdrop. So, uh, we've we've seen a lot of uh, traction again on our Solana-based bolts. So, based on Solana, Ethereum, as well as Arbitrum, we launched in Arbitrum like July this year.
0: Nice. And how's that? How's that been?
1: It's been good. We actually got most of our users from uh, from Arbitrum when we launched on Arbitrum. Uh, maybe not as much size as the usual users on Mainnet, but um, we definitely saw like a, a massive in, in, increase in our uh, in our user flow, which is great to see. Um, mostly, obviously, because it's just cheaper cheaper to use. So, those people that were normally maybe trading with like let's say, you know, $500, a lot, a lot of their yields were, were getting lost to the Ethereum gas fees, whereas on Arbitrum, you can actually yield those benefits and and, and still, be, still be okay with the gas.
0: Yeah, yeah. Seems like you could almost build, like, something that's omni-chain here. It doesn't really matter where the deposit happens, uh, so long as the off-chain market maker has ready access to it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's, it's something we've, we've definitely thought about. Um, You know, whether there's an integration with an interchain messaging, like a CCIP or a a layer zero, it's definitely something on our minds because at the end of the day, yeah, it's, it's, as you said, it's you interfacing with the market makers and they can just kind of route through any of those, I guess, vault deposit, um, smart contracts. And, um, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not too hard to do that.
0: Yeah. And so what's the, like, you guys have a bunch of products out. I mean, I'm looking at the, at the site now, um like who i'm just wondering like when people come like when i'm on the site like uh just looking at the the site now like what how am i supposed to know like where to i guess what which product would be best for me
1: um the first thing i do is look through each of the actual product strategies so there's on each like near the top of the the web page um, you can actually dive into each of the web each of the strategies, and actually have a look at what each one uh, entails.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we don't yet have like a comparison, like a maybe, maybe maybe we need to create a UI that's like a direct ca- comparison for each of the products. But um, if you click into each one, it kind of gives you the the API, it gives you the risks involved. Um, so if you, for instance, if you go into the uh, the new ETH Dragon product, um, it shows you kind of like the the you know, the, the specified yields as well as the risks involved with this product. Yeah. Um, if you go back onto the main page, um, as you can see at the top, it's like the, the three different verticals of products we have. So the way I like to describe it, we have these three verticals of products and each in each of those products, you have about, um, let's say five to seven different vault products inside of each um, and each of facilitating a different risk versus re- reward uh, return for the user.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I was just, kind of saying earlier before the call is like, when I look at these, it's just a little unclear from first glance, like what, uh, what each of them does. Like if I'm, if I'm new coming to the site, to your Sega, right? Like, um, like what's that? Like, I don't, I don't know anything about any of these structured products um, and some of this kind of complex language around the strategies and stuff. Um, like I, I know deep in the, in the actual products themselves, you have some like graphs if you expand them out, uh, that show like what yeah. happened. Um, but from like just a UI perspective, I think it's a little, it is, it, it could be a little bit more clear about like who this is for, right? Like, um,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, good. It's good feedback. I mean, we, 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 uh, we only launched this new UI with our V2, uh, on Thursday and we got a lot of feedback prior to that, obviously before we launched, but, um, always open to new feedback and, um. I mean, yeah, I guess in terms of each what each of the products do, I mean, like, as you said, it may not have been clear um, on first glance, but the reason why we had it set up like that on the first page is just to show, if you, if you go back um, to the first page there, it's just to show like the, the different APYs um, and the different kind of depositing collaterals you could have for each of those products. Right, right. Um, and showing also like the, the amount of TBL that's going into each of those products at the moment. So like, it, um, so that's kind of like, like, so w-
0: w- is there get... anything to like dragon or elephant? Like I, I see the, the names here. Um, like are, are, are Any, anything to them? No, I mean, just like all the dragon strategies, similar.
1: Yeah. So the ETH. so the dragon represents a plus or minus 5%, um, call or put, um, out of the money. So for instance, an ETH dragon is selling a call 5% above. A USDC dragon is selling a put five percent below the initial price um, at the beginning of the tenure, and and then the Steve dragon is the same. It's selling a, a call five uh, percent above. So yeah, as you can see, the ninety five percent strike level at the top of the product.
0: Well, these are nice. I like the so for anybody that doesn't know, like a really nice way to accumulate ETH, if if that's what you're interested in, is to run like a uh, like a cash cash secured puts, which is what these USDC dragons are, essentially, uh, essentially, it's it's selling a you're like in cash in USDC here, and then you're selling a, a put, you said 5% below market. And if the price dips below where you enter at, uh, then at the end of the term, because I, I think you guys use like a European option structure, right? We did. Yeah. So yeah. at the end of the 27 days, which is the length of the trade here, uh if it's below that five percent that mark, uh then you get swapped into ETH, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So here's a here's a small picture here. So if you deposit USDC and then the price of ETH goes down, uh you might want to swap into ETH at that point. Um and so you would you would swap into ETH and then you would get whatever yield there is uh for that period.
1: Couldn't have said better myself. Yeah. That's that's kind of exactly what it's for, like building positions in ETH. Um Setting that kind of an effective limit order at five percent below, and then earning yield for, for for making that position.
0: Yeah, and so I think the thing that you guys popped up on on my radar the other day was for the uh, the dual currency strategies. Is is that essentially just these the USDC and STEF? Uh, yes, uh, essentially cash secure yes, put covered call strategies.
1: Yeah, exactly that. So it's yeah, it's a dual currency swap. It's the first of its kind on chain. So it's similar to kind of a, a cover call cash secure put in terms of the payoff, as you kind of mentioned. Um, effectively, these are, uh, are physically settled. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a physically settled, um, product. Right. Right. Now is it meaning that you, you're depositing USDC if, um, you know, if the, if
0: the strike price is hit, then you convert it into, into Ethereum, um, and vice versa. Okay. Is there, is there any sort of like collars that are going to come? So if I have a an ETH and we've run up to $10,000 and I want to throw a collar on. Um, yeah,
1: there's. There's definitely like, there's a lot of like ideas that are throwing around at the moment, especially with our new V2 that we've just launched alongside these new dual currency swap vaults. Um, effectively there's, there's a lot of, uh, new collaterals that we can use. So maybe it's a, another LST we're using as collateral instead of ladders, staked um, there's other types of like exotic option structure products that we're looking into at the moment. Um, so there's, there's a lot we can actually do and this V2 allows us to move quicker. Um, it allows us to kind of whip up new products within a two-week turnaround. So, at the moment, the prioritization is going on kind of the demand. Um, and if we're seeing demand for collars, then it's something we can we can definitely build. So, um, it's just more kind of scoping out where it makes sense in terms of prioritizing.
0: Right. And and how many off-chain uh, like strategy executors do you have, or or uh, market makers do you have?
1: Uh, we have about ten at the moment. Um, we've we've in the process of onboarding a few more as well, all under the ISDA agreements as well. And so like, that's what Um, actually
0: makes it competitive. I mean, it turns it into like a a payment for order flow system, Uh, again, like coming back to the intents, right? Like, I I don't know if you've read much upon intents, but on a high level, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So essentially like an intent has like two parts. So you have like the intent of the user where they wanna get this yield, right? And they want to get, a certain strategy or execution uh, handled, and they set constraints on what the executor can do, and then you have a group of executors on your side who are coming in and essentially bidding for that that trade right there.
1: Yeah, it's it works in a kind of a similar function, I guess, yeah. um, to that model. Yeah, it, and it's like yeah, the, the the users are wanting this this product and this strategy. And then the other side, we've got the market makers that are kind of executing that for them.
0: Yeah. It's interesting how the Robinhood style uh, payment for order flow system has just proliferated so much over the past few years, right? Where uh, the the idea of execution is no longer just, hey, I'm going to do this manually. It's, it's let, me, let me just broadcast the, the trade that I want to do. And then uh, let's see if somebody wants to fill it and, and they'll compete for that, that spread, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It makes it makes it more competitive as well. Yeah, it does.
0: Uh, so is, is there any way to see that competition? Like is, is the bidding process transparent?
1: Bidding process is blind auctions. We only do that because we don't want uh, market makers colluding because that's the worst thing that could happen for our users. Yeah. Um, so we, we do try and keep it um, exclusively a blind auction so that like, I guess, my other market makers can't collude on their same vaults. Um, that's more just the, the security measure for protecting our users and the yields they get receiving.
0: Right, and like, what's the long term? But at the at, yeah sorry, ahead. but at, at
1: the end of the day, those 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 prices are then um, I guess displayed on on the trade day. So um, after the trade day, you've only got uh, the prices that are then exposed on on the on the front end.
0: And so, what's like the long term idea here is just to keep on adding strategies and keep on onboarding more uh, like uh, executors into the system.
1: Yeah, good question. Um, I think it's it's a mix of like trying to ensure that we're provi- keeping, keeping on providing like the best uh, markets and products for our users across, you know, these different market conditions, especially, you know, the drastic changes that we've experienced over the past year and a half now that Sega's been live. Um, but going into the future, it's creating new strategies that are going to be catering uh, better for our users. Um, we are also, you know, of, of the mindset of like kind of trying to take on the, the whole derivative suite. So the, playing the derivatives game, um, you know, going forward, whether that's having a dabble into the future side, um, having a dabble into other you know, option strategies, whether it's, you know, creating a DAX, these are all kind of things we're talking about for the long-term vision of SEGA. Um, but we're trying to keep our, I guess, um, trying to get a focus on our current product suite with the exotic option structure products. And really hone in and, and, and win this sector before we kind of move on to any of those
0: very cool um well that's great That's good to hear uh so what else are you excited about with, with sega
1: with sega um i mean i'm really excited about the, the product we just launched um we, we launched it last thursday we've got an additional 50 percent growth in our tvl since in like four days which has been great um, I'm really excited about the fact that the V2 can open us up to new collateral types. So, you know, our job gets a lot more uh, about prioritizing our time and a lot more about like what is the best opportunity going forward, whether, as, as I mentioned, is it LSTs that we're using, other um, other LSTs, is it uh, other types of collateral? Are we going to be do- using Solana as a token um, for, for users to kind of diversify and um, gain additional yields on their Solana, Solana tokens? Is it new governance tokens, going to talk to, talking to Treasuries about, um, you know, diversifying their treasury with structured investments um, to either hedge out or gain additional yields on their treasury assets? Um, you know, so implement, implementing those governance tokens. Is it LP positions? You know, there's, there's a lot of new things we can do with different collateral types. Now we have the, we have the V2 in function. I'm really excited about kind of exploring those, um, analyzing those and and seeing what best fits for Sega going to this this next phase.
0: Very cool. Well, uh, we'll be keeping up on that. And uh, thank you for coming. Give us an update on what's happened with Sega.
1: Thanks. uh, Thanks for having me. Awesome.
0: Okay.